0: Thanks for joining the Heights Church podcast today. We hope that you enjoy the message. If you're in the Sydney area, be sure to join us at the Heights Church at Golston Road, Wandsby Heights, Sydney, Australia.
1: All right, this morning, the reading is obviously from Romans. So we're in chapter 8, starting at verse 18. So Romans chapter 8, starting at verse 18. But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will." Through him who loved us for i am convinced that neither death nor life neither angels nor demons neither the present nor the future nor any powers neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of god that is in christ jesus
0: by now as we got through our romans series you should feel the weight of the passage. Like you feel the weight of Romans 7. We live in a world with sin and the effects of sin. And we live in a, we, like Paul under the weight of our own sin. And we shouldn't be content to live where we're at. We should strive with the Spirit's help to grow to be more like Jesus, be conformed in the likeness of his Son, like our passage said. But the reality is, this side of heaven is going to be hard, if not, and definitely not, impossible. Because while you might be learning obedience, our world is not. And Paul calls it suffering. All creation is groaning, wanting to be released from that bondage, as you are. Now, if Romans 7 and the beginning of chapter 8 kind of, you get a bit of a heavy feeling and a bit of a downside to it, and you think, oh, this is great. Romans 8 will not leave you there for long. A massively encouraging passage. As God shares with you that you have the sure hope of eternal glory with him. It's amazing how much pain and suffering you can endure, isn't it, when the end outweighs the present situation. The pain of childbirth is soon pushed aside with the birth of your child. Marathon runners' burning legs and nausea is passed over at the finish line. A nasty cough makes way for getting well. There's a a, um, cough medicine in Canada called Buckley's, and it says it tastes awful, but it works. And let me tell you, it tastes awful. <laughs> but it works. The suffering of study makes way for the HSC <laughs> or the degree. And in the end, that hope that's held before us, that vision that we have, the end that's in sight, transcends us to a higher plane where we can see past our present situation. And as you know, hope is an incredible, incredibly important part of life. We need something to look forward to. We need to be able to focus on something that is beyond ourselves and beyond our situation. As without it, it's very easy to be overwhelmed by life's pressures when there is no end in sight. And in chapter 8, Paul talks about a sure hope. Strange wording, isn't it? Sure hope. How can you have a hope? like It's not a wish. It's sure a sure understanding that God is going to bring things about. And we look forward to the way that assurance should fill us with a triumphal positive attitude as we live out our life as Christians. We can pray in supplication for how this world has impacted us and impact those around us. We do pray we pray for uh, the young person from St Luke's that that's going in for surgery we pray for their family we pray for the people who are surrounding those who are lost we pray for ourselves for those who say, we, we can we can focus on that. We've had a hard week but that hard week gives way to we are living with the assurance the sure hope that jesus has things in control even in the midst of suffering it doesn't mean that you kind of chuck a ned flanders oakley Doakley, everything's fine and you have a smile on your face and the minute that you don't have a smile on your face you call yourself a christian no we, we live in a world that's painful that's why paul calls it suffering it's not suffering but it's not painful wouldn't have anything to talk about. We could, like Job's wife and friends, curse God and die, get over and done with. But the other way that we can do it is live triumphantly with Christ, knowing that He has put us on this earth to endure suffering for a particular purpose, and that is His glory. It's an attitude of positive mindset of not ignoring the now. But not forgetting the not yet. This is a thing that's coming on the screen. That was the that was the the kick that was taken, and you imagine the turmoil and the suffering that she's going to go through. What if I miss? What if I don't? What if I don't? What if I kick it? What if it, you know? What if the goalkeeper gets in it? And that's the not yet. And we live in a similar situation. We can get that off the screen because that's just old news. At least our manager didn't kiss the uh, the. Uh, We live in now but not yet. We live with all the stuff that's going on in our life, but we look forward to the sure hope that's coming on and that now but not yet, our hope in present sufferings can put us and give us a right perspective in life. Look at verse 18 as you're reading the passage. Paul says, I consider it that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. I'm a shocking cook, but I've I've seen people cook. And it's like that hand-whipped egg that you have with a pavlova. Has anyone made a pavlova? It's, you, you can use the beater, but that, that's just old school. This doesn't really turn out right, apparently, so my mum would say. And she would hand-beat this egg over and, until your arm is just about falling off, but you recognise that at the end, there'll be the perfect pavlova that won't crack. Is that right? I, I think that's right. So our present suffering is short-lived and will give way to great glory, But what are the sufferings that Paul is talking about? Notice he says, in us, not sufferings to us. Suffering over our predicament of sin in our life. I hope. You and I hope I suffer over the predicament of having sin still in my life where I'm not quite there yet and won't be there until God gets rid of everything. So we remember chapter 8 is the answer to chapter 7. Paul wants to do what God wants, but he can't. And sin seems to have a victory in his life. And as chapter 8 we talked about last week, that Paul says we have been given a spirit of life, not death, sonship, not slavery. But it's hard to live that out because sin raises his ugly head all the time. And that's the suffering that we have, walking in a world where we want to do what God wants us to do, but the sin within us is being transformed but not quite there yet. Here we see Paul's dilemma, the same dilemma that we have as Christian people. All that we are to have and all that we are to be is not quite there yet. We live with the frustration of wanting to please God and live as his children in a world free from sin, but we can't, so we suffer. Like Israel, who were enslaved by the Egyptians, were freed by God out of slavery. Yet because of their own sin, they wandered in a desert for 40 years with the hope of the promised land fixed in their minds. And we also were enslaved to sin and we're freed by God through Jesus' death. Now we wander in a desert, the desert of this world, anticipating the future glory of God, where our adoption will be complete. We wait for that promised land, heaven, and pray for the taste of heaven here on this earth so that it might keep us focused with a perspective that God can give Not only do we suffer the frustration of sin in us but because of sin we also suffer in a world in relationships in our mortal body that's been affected by sin. We have been impacted and our bodies are far from what God intended it to be. But because of the assurance that we have the assurance that we have in Jesus we can live with a future perspective. We have the hope of Jesus. Just as Jesus with the assurance of the Father, the one who never fails in his promises, was able to rise above the sufferings of the cross to see future glory, the glory of his resurrection, and the world, the opportunity for the world to receive forgiveness, we too look through our sufferings to Jesus, to our future secured in him. And we're chomping at the bit. Does anyone know what chomping at the bit makes? It's not like, you know, sometimes you put honey on a horse's bit when, you put, when they're young, so they sit down and they don't get it. But if ever you've ridden a horse that's not quite been broken yet, uh, they will be at their bit ready to take off 100 mile an hour. But you know that if they take off 100 mile an hour, firstly, you probably land on the ground. But the other part is that they'll just soon wear out. And we're chomping at the bit Wanting to be released from it all. What, what does it say? The world is groaning under the weight of it. Now at this point you might think Paul has launched into a description what future glory, you know, like I just want to tell you what future glory is going to be like, heaven and all the rest of it. But he doesn't. As if words can't do any justice of what heaven will be like. So he does the next best thing. He says heaven is going to be so good that creation is dancing up and down, waiting for it on the spot. You know, there's so... It's like that little kid that's at the line just waiting for the fairy floss to come out. It's the, it's the, it's, it's the welling up inside of you. You just can't wait for stuff to happen. What does Romans 8 says? Creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. We know that the whole of creation has been groaning as pains of childbirth right up to this present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have been the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly, as we wait in eager expectation for our adoptions as sons and redemption of our body. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is not hope at all. Who hopes for what it already has? But if we hope for what we do not have, we wait for it patiently. Do we? Wait, isn't eager expectation and patiently kind of, kind of goes, I think. That's a prayer of Paul rather than reality. I don't know about you. All creation in frustration waits for patiently for God. It's hard to be patient as God does his work. It's like we're getting knots in our stomach as we eagerly wait. And these verses and being patient don't seem to match up in reality of our life. It's kind of like a knot in your stomach that every bridegroom feels as they wait patiently for their bride to appear. Nothing you can do, guys, could ever hurry them up. You have been looking forward to that day for what seems like forever, and that 10-minute wait, although maybe not 10-minute wait. Some people drive around for like a half an hour. had one guy that waited so long that he fainted and fell on the ground, and then we had to get an ambulance to get him there, but that's another story altogether. But you wait patiently. It might seem like an eternity, but when she appears, she's more beautiful than you ever anticipated in your life. The illustration falls down a little bit when you talk about suffering connected to it, but that's okay. Not to make light of a wedding day, it's the same knot in your stomach when you deep sea fish where you've got the fish way down deep and you're bringing it up and you can't wait for the colour to happen and then you can't wait for this fish to come up. To revert. I said that it had nothing to do with the wedding illustration, but you get my point. As we live out our Christian life, we become aware and more aware as we live at the effects of sin in our world and we're touched by sickness and death and our heart goes out like Paul's. We should long for a renewed world. In horse terms, we should be chomping at the bit waiting eagerly to just be let loose the way that God wants us to. We should have a heavy heart over the hurt and decay that we see in this world and ourselves. Pain and suffering, though, is relative, isn't it, to where we find ourselves and our perspective that we have. Kids seem to have a low pain threshold. They come up to you in absolute agony. Agony. And you look at their hand and you get out the magnifying glass and you go, oh, there it is, and then you blow on it and all of a sudden everything is right for them. Oh, great, thanks, Mum. But then other times parents know that their children are going, to go through, are going to go through operations and it's not just going to be a blow on the hand. It's going to be painful and that is going to give way to something that is good and healing. You really can't do anything at all to bring about comfort. All you can do is wait with patience for the things that will happen within their life. And it's the same with us as sons and daughters of God. All we can do sometimes is wait with patience as God works in this world to bring about his will. We wait with eager expectation to give way to reality when suffering and pain will be no more, when we're able to serve God and obey God just as he, as he wants us to and we long to. And there's nothing that we can do to hurry up that time except for pray. But how do you pray? And how do you express your heart? What do you pray for? What's urgent and what's not? And we ultimately are at a loss. But when we look, and we can pray the Lord's Prayer, and that's a great prayer to pray, that essentially we're praying for the reversal of sin and the effects of sin in this world. But Paul says, even if you don't know the specifics, the Holy Spirit who knows your heart, will pray for you in line with God's will. Look at Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that the world cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the minds of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. The Holy Spirit reads our heart and prays from the heart of God perfectly in line with God's will. And in this we know that in all things God will bring about good for those who love him. Why? Because the Spirit's praying for it. And the Spirit knows God's heart. And he's not going to pray for anything that won't bring about the good in our life. Humanity... And the earth, in fact, all of creation will be renewed. And that's the good that will come about. That broken relationships that have come about for his sin, God will renew. That God, as in Genesis, will be able to look upon his creation again and say, it is good. And it's as sure as eggs. It's a strange term, isn't it? I use that term in roti and, and Cody goes, what is that? I say all these, all these terms that I'm familiar with and think everybody else is. But if you've ever had chickens, you know that every morning you're going to go out and you're going to get eggs. Unless you don't feed them, then you don't get anything. But you go out and get eggs. Because God's at work, not us. There's an assurance that goes beyond what we could ever imagine. For those God foreknew, he also predestined, predestined for what? Predestined to be conformed according to the likeness of his Son. That's what we predestined to do, that we would grow in becoming more like Christ. And that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Our salvation and renewal were and have always been on God's agenda before the foundation of this world, our destiny and our world's destiny has always been in God's hand because he predestined it according to his will and his wisdom. Therefore, the hope that we have in Jesus is not a wish, but it's a certainty because our future is not in our hands in the way that we do things. It's in God's and the Holy Spirit is praying for it. As we read in Ephesians chapter 1, that the Holy Spirit is in fact given as a deposit, as a guarantee of the things to come. The Holy Spirit is reading our heart, transforming our heart, changing our perspective. But if it's not quite there yet, he prays in accordance with God's will that God will bring about the good in our life, which is conforming us to be more like his son and transforming our world. But we will be changed and he is changing us through the Holy Spirit just as God intended it to be, conforming us to be in the likeness and the image of his son. Great verses. And it should fill us with boldness to conquer and live triumphant life as Christians. I hope it does for you. They don't take away the hurt of suffering, but they do give us hope a certainty that we'll never need more than God supplies, we'll never be in a situation that God can't control, we'll never be ripped away from God. He is always there. And he is always working towards the good of his people who love him. They help us to rise above our situation, whatever that situation might be, to give us a view As we rise up above our world and we look down upon our world from God's eyes, not from our eyes, because ground zero sometimes is really hard to be there. We look around and just see what's happening in our world, but he doesn't want us to stay there, wants to pray for that, but he doesn't want us to stay there, he wants to rise us up so he can see that God is at work in our world. They'll help us to pray for ourselves in our world, knowing that even if we're at a loss for words, that the Holy Spirit will be praying for God's will to be accomplished and give us patience as we eagerly wait for the glory that awaits. Amen? I prayed that for you this week. I don't know what your week's like and I don't know whether you are suffering. If you're not and you're rising up above things, I pray that it is a glorious week. If you're in the midst of it and you know that this week is going to be a difficult week to do that, be with each other and pray for each other. And if you're a person who knows someone's going through that, pray through the Holy Spirit going, I don't know what I'm praying for. I don't know what their week's like. I don't know what their mindset's going to be like. But you do, God, so rise them up above their will so they can walk in a way that they're confident in God and patient in God in their suffering and for those who are finding incredibly difficult in doing that know that us as a congregation are doing that for you we're interceding through the spirit for you as you walk in your world let's pray Lord we so thank you for Romans we live in a world that's far from what's intent- you what you intended it to be like and all around us, Lord, we can look at it and just be overwhelmed by the stuff that's going on, whether it's personal stuff that's happening or community stuff or world stuff or whatever it might be or, or uncertain future or different events that has happened in our life. We can look at all that, Lord, and, and just be overwhelmed beyond all imagination, but we have a sure hope in you. It's not here yet, but we know it will be. And Lord, I pray that we are chomping at the bit. I pray, Lord, that we can't wait, but we're patient as God works in us to give us his perspective in life and transform us to be in the likeness of him, of Jesus. Lord, I pray for that. I pray, Lord, we'll become more like you. and I pray, Lord, that we'll we'll be patient with people as you're at work in them. And patient with our world as you're on about transforming it and renewing it. We won't stop groaning that our hearts still will be heavy of the stuff that we see around us. And we'll work hard in people's suffering to alleviate that. But at the end of the day, Lord, we know the best thing that we can do is to pray. And if we don't know those words, Lord, pray through us, through your spirit so that your will be done on this earth as in heaven. We pray this in your name.